I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you in your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Well, welcome back. Another episode of Thriving Matters today. And I know that Sue, Susan Judd is in Port Macquarie, a nice warm day I think Sue so how are you today what's been happening in your world yeah hi Carrie um yeah my world's been fabulous um uh, it's beautiful up here today sunny Port Macquarie turning on the weather the autumn weather for us again um I've had a pretty busy pretty busy week again um talking to people about what is emotional intelligence how to apply it having some, you know, really light bulb aha moments um, around, you know, around the topic of, um, you know, what we were talking about last time, emotional reasoning and decision making, which is interesting post-election um, and and um, really starting to think about resilience post-election. Oh, I know. So our episode today very clever we are because it's um we're calling it resiliency is a key so we're going to be talking about self-management and practical ways that we can develop our own self-management but also understand uh our emotions and our moods so one of the um quotes that i've been pondering um between last session and this one comes from nelson mandela one of my heroes really And he says, the greatest glory in living lies not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. So when we think about that, we think about our emotions and our moods. You you can probably pinpoint the days where you're feeling a little bit moody. You're not quite sure why you're feeling a little bit lower than you were uh, the day before or why you've woken up and as we talked about the beautiful weather, you know, why the sun's shining for us. But we know in reality that it isn't always even and that our emotions and our moods do go up and down. Um, and it's, it's a matter of how we manage those. So being conscious of the time that our emotions are more evident than, than not and then how that affects our behaviour uh, and, and having and developing some self-discipline around that. So it's going to be an interesting session, I think, today. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely love the um, the definition of resilience. That's all around how effectively we bounce back from difficult situations. I love that whole idea of bouncing back, um, and whether we kind of hit the ground, um, you know, in that in that analogy, hit the ground and bounce straight back up, or if we you know, just have a little bounce. Like how how well um, do we bounce back from challenging situations where we've been upset, we've had, we've experienced something that's um, 
that's really been that we've had some negative emotions from um, and then how do we come back to our normal state of being so mm. that for me that definition that whole bounce back it's a real visual picture for me and I like to think of you know being able to um, come back to your, your normal state of being um, and that that be a positive a positive one where we're looking after our own emotional well-being well, you've just given me an image um, as well. And when I think of resilience, I think of someone with a bungee rope around their ankle and you take the dive, you are actually leaping off, you, you're going down, 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 and all of a sudden the rope kicks in and up you come again. So it's like a, a bungee jump, um, really. And uh, I quite like that. And it matches your uh, definition of resilience as well. Yeah, and in all of that, we've got to be breathing. So part of um, our resilience in our self-management is that we can use our breath to help us manage our emotions and the times when all of a sudden we get taken over unexpectedly. We get taken over by our emotions and we can have a major reaction. And there's actually a, a biological uh, name for that. Um, we talked in our first um podcast about the neuroscience of um, AI and there's a whole lot in our biology in the way that our brain has been is formed and is set up and interacts with each other that causes what we call an amygdala hijack and would you believe that grand name amygdala is actually something in our emotional brain that is the size of an almond and it causes a whole lot of firing and a whole lot of interaction and a whole lot of interest in our emotions. <laughs> yeah, um, it's amazing to think. I mean, I, as Carrie and I were talking a little bit before we started recording and, you know, just having a chat about the fact that we can name, give our amygdala hijacks a name so that, you know, in those events, those negative events where you might, um, where you might react before you've thought about it, uh, where you might lose your temper, where you might say some things that you don't really mean, um, or you might mean them in the minute or the second, but as an afterthought, you think probably that wasn't my best decision making. Mm -hmm. These things that um, are these emotions that the amygdala tags as negative and gives us a response so quickly is called an amygdala hijack. And every person I've ever met who um, we've been able to identify has amygdala hijacks, has been so grateful for just understanding that A, um, there's ways uh, that they can identify it's coming on and B, just giving it a name, just being able to say it's a thing, it's a real thing um, and I can work on things, I can work on strategies uh, to help myself before I have that hijack response. I know, and um, we've just come out of an election weekend, and if there are two topics that usually get quite uh, strong amygdala hijacks or reactions from, it's around politics and religion. Well, that's from my family of origin anyway. I don't know about yours, but... Um, you know, other, other families may get passionate about their football team or, um, you know, the, a, a particular artist um, in the world who's doing something. Um, but really, you know, when we talk about things that are so close to our value system, 
and our beliefs and assumptions, um, that's when we get off, often we get the triggers and we can react quite sharply, surprise ourselves and also surprise those around us. And then we sit back and we go, oh my heavens, where did that come from? Or we can be so drawn into it that we can't stop this and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it really involves not just yourself, but other people as well. And, uh, you know, it might be that you've got a family and you know that after three days you go off. So you make sure that you meet up once a year for three days and, uh, you know, everyone's quite um, obviously thoughtful around what they're going to say and how they're going to say it to each other. <laughs> but, you know, I know, I know families that invite guests to be the circuit breakers because they know that it's going to be quite political because people are charged up and they're firm about what they believe in. They're really in, um, passionate about it and, and often that will come out and they, and they can't, that, well, they haven't learned to temper it. So self-managing how uh, we feel about our core beliefs and values is really important to us and our, and our relationships. I have friends, I don't know about you, Susan, but I have friends and we have a variety of political views. I think it makes for the rich tapestry, but we also need to know that we've got some, some, um, some skills in there for managing the conversation when it gets a little bit hot and we don't want it actually to get aggressive, but we want it to, get, want it to be interesting and involving and, and be curious about it, but not necessarily aggressive and hot, yeah. Fabulous, Carrie. Uh, uh, yeah, totally agree. Look, I've got two questions for you. Um, my first question to you is, um, what are some of the, when you're having an amygdala hijack, what are some of the physiological things that you, um, biological, physiological things that might happen to your body that might uh, bring, draw your attention to the fact that, um, you're going to have a rapid, let's call it a rapid response to a situation. What are some of those things that could be happening that oh. I could pay to? Well, you, 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 you may have some other ones because we'll, we'll just see how we go here. I instantly get hot. I have a, I know that a lot of people actually get a temperature rise. Um, and that is one of the, I go, oh, this is interesting. I can often feel very uncomfortable um, in my stomach area, so in the gut area, right? Um, there are other times when I've noticed that I've got a little bit shaky, just my hands start to shake a little bit. Yep. Uh, and one, one of the other things that I have noticed is that I can get um, some head pain, like a bit of a headache at the back of my neck. So it's like a pressure, like a pressure. So that's, that's just some of the things that happen to me. Now, I may be unusual, um, but a lot of people uh, also tell me that they get sweaty palms. So they, they find that they, they, they're very aware of their body reactions, sweaty palms, they can also get a little bit of pain and the agitation that they, they start to feel. Mm. Certainly for me, the only thing that I get that you've left out is I get my heart races. Ah. I, feel my, I feel my heart ramping up, you know, that um, my pulse races. Yeah, so I and that that that's a definite thing, and I'm sure that anybody listening will identify with at least a couple of those. The, yeah. the you know, the racing heart, maybe the flush. You said you feel hot. I yeah. get a 
bit of a flush up my neck and into my face. Um, and I also know, and this is just me, um, it'll be different for all sorts of people, is I, I, yes, I do feel it in my tummy, but I also get the sense that I want to get away. I get oh. the... You know, the fight, flight. Yeah, fight, well, I'm, fight. I'm typically flight. <laughs> I'm typically, I'm out of here. <laughs> the furthest I can get away from that situation, the yeah. better for me. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. I'm in survival mode and I'm like, I'm out of here. So, um, so <laughs> I, what, what's it like for you? Well, you've just made me re, uh, think about, um, you know, some of those family gatherings and, um, you know, there'll be, a conversation you're going yeah I don't think I'm going to stay here because it could potentially be something that I might react to I think I'll just go and busy myself over here so that you're right there's there's a, a, a flight but other times you're going to get in there and often uh, you know families will use joke they'll use sarcasm or you know uh, can't you take a joke a joke Joyce was it was a, a common saying in my family and um, no no, it really didn't. wasn't a joking time, you know, especially when you're a teenager and adolescent and a female at that. <laughs> yeah, so the other question I've got for you, um, Carrie, is that, you know, if we talk about, well, they're the things we notice and we encourage people to concentrate on what's going on for them physiologically um, when they're in these types of events. What are some of the tips? Now you mentioned you can you mentioned earlier in our conversation you could breathe. Now I want to know more about that tip and what are our other tips? Look, the, there's a number of breathing techniques that people people can use and it's been shown. So a lot of the mindfulness mindfulness techniques are, are very valuable. One of the ones that works for me is that I can I can utilize um, a time where I realise what's going, what's happening, I actually do about four deep breaths. And I actually do a deep breath on, to a count of six and I do that. And then when I exhale, I try and make it an exhale that's longer than the six. So that's actually quite hard to do. And you can start with a four and a six. So you breathe in, you inhale on a count of one, two, three, four, five, six. And then you just gradually just let it out. And you repeat that um, about four to six times and you will be amazed at what you can actually do to calm that sense of flight, calm any of the anxiety that you're feeling, calm that sense that, oh, no, get me out of here because uh, you know, I'm going to get myself into trouble or... I can't do this now. I'm not ready to do this now. Now, in times of grief, when we're, when we're grieving, um, often we have associated grief with a situation. So we are empathetic and the breathing works just as well there as well, being able to do, you know, get up and do a eulogy um, when it's someone so very close to you. You know, that's hard work. That is hard work. So we're very aware of our emotions and our moods in, in times of discussion around those passionate things that we do, but also where, when we have things that touch our heart deeply, um, like, like grief situations. So the breathing mm -hmm. technique, have you got any breathing techniques, Susan, that you use? Oh, look, um, I, I do. I, I, I probably don't expand out to, um, to, to six when I'm kind of first bringing attention to breathing 
um, I, I go the three, the three breaths, exactly what you're doing, but I, I minimise it to three just to give people that little bit of space between, um, you know, between the, the, the knowing that you're under pressure and you're about to have an outpouring of, of emotion, whether it's the, as you were just saying, in the grief um, situation or you're running away from a bit of an argument or even if you're in that fight mode and you want to and you want to maybe not make the best decision, um, the most intelligent decision about the reaction that you're going to have. Um, and, you know, taking that that 30 seconds to have, you know, a couple of really deep breaths. And even when you say the word, because even when you were talking then and saying the word, um, I recommend, um, you know, four to six really deep breaths and the process of how you do it, do it. I was doing it. Yeah. I was doing it so even when you know because when I get um, when I get focused on a job I actually forget to breathe I, oh. I, you know, I'm doing the essential kind of keeping oxygen going but I'm not in that mindful state of concentrating on the intake of breath and the and the yeah. slower out out of outtake of breath so uh, I think when you when prompted it really brings it really centers us and brings our mind back to just focus in on the breathing and when you're finished even if it's only three or four or, or, or five or six you've you've got a bit of control there and you're like okay now I'm in a better mindset to um to decide what I'm going to do I, I and I look I think what we've been able to share between us is a really good suggestion starting off on a three count move it see if you can gradually build it and that move it up to the six because if you might find that six is too much for you. I've been doing this a fair while. Um, three, and it could be that for particular situations, you need something faster than the six and the three works. Move it on to other times where you can actually settle yourself and, do, and build it up to a six count. I think that would be helpful. A couple of the other tips um, today that we, we're going to um, share um, I want you to go back to this notion of journaling and um, we did a whole, uh, we talked a bit about journaling in our previous episodes, but one of the greatest benefits about journaling is that you can look back on your notes and go, whoa, that's what I used to do. I no longer do that now. Or really, that's how it was. And you, you can see your own growth in, in the journal. But being able to write down in the moment how you're feeling about something and then um, uh, just a stream of consciousness about that just helps you to remove it from your mind that keeps going back back and forward on it all the time um, and putting it on paper is, is a process for you to let it go be able to name it and let it, let it go and then come back and then go right this is how I thought now how could I have dealt with that differently what what could I have done and being able to know um, that you're balancing your life with your nutrition and some exercise and good sleep. A lot of us are living on less sleep than we should be. Um, do it. Get the sleep because it gives you a different window on the world. And then being able to use your journal to actually keep a record of how you're going for your well-being and then look at how your day has been. Where were the areas that you could use your breathing? Where were the things that caught you by surprise? And where were the things that you went, wow, great shining or sparkling moments today. 
that I probably didn't take enough notice of because the negative stuff kept coming back into my thinking. So get mm. us out of our negatives and think about the sparkling moments that may only be tiny but are really important. So a really good, um, a, a really good strategy that I have, and now I'm talking about home, and I'm talking about round the dinner table with my kids. Oh, lovely. Um, are, I've got one in high school and one in primary school. And so at dinner, dinner time conversation at our place, uh, we talk about what, you know, what was something that maybe burned you today? What is something that, oh. you know, go, didn't go great today for you? And then what's something that went really well today? And how yeah. do you feel about that? So even just those conversations with your kids if you're wondering about how to you know how to um, put this into practical action outside of even myself paying attention to my physiology and journaling my thoughts is how to you know having this conversation in your families around mm. and, and talking to our kids about some of these things without even using the word resilience, if you will, but really just kind of talking to them about things that burned them, things that didn't work exactly how they planned, how do they feel about that, um, what did they do about it, how do they feel now, um, and then what was what went great today, um, and really kind of using those open skills, open questioning skills that we we built in, you know, our podcast all around um, authenticity, asking lots of great questions, um, so that we get them, you know, we get them talking to us and um, telling us how they're feeling. Just a really great way to start to bring that attention um, to how we feel, how our kids feel about things. Oh, it's and it's it's a community way of talking about things that are natural. Our emotions and are, are natural parts of us, so they're there to be engaged and they're there to be expressed. And you know what? The more we do it with imagination and intelligence, we will be able to manage them really well. So until next, our next episode. Hope you have a great week, Susan. I know Thanks, I will. Thanks, Carrie. See ya. Bye. See you later. Bye bye.